0: there, I hope that you are having a good day and you're staying healthy and safe right now. I know that right now it might be a little bit scary with everything going on in the world, so I hope that I can help you find a little bit of peace and comfort in the difficult times we're all going through. Tonight I also wanted to say thank you to all of my listeners. I've been very surprised to see where a lot of people are listening to me from, and I just wanted to say thank you to all of you. Thank you to my listeners in the United States, England, Scotland, Canada, Hong Kong, Hungary, Germany, Slovakia, Pakistan, and Romania. It means a lot that you are listening to me read you these bedtime stories, and I hope that you enjoy them. Since so many of my listeners are listening from all over the world, and since I've already started reading some folk tales from other areas in the world, I thought that I would read some more from... Slovakia and Hungary tonight, so I hope that my listeners from those two areas enjoy the stories that I read. As always, if you'd like for me to read a story or any other piece of literature, I'm always more than happy to do so. Just let me know what I can read to you. I'll do my best to get a hard copy of it, but it might be a little difficult, right? Still, I'll do my best and try, just for you. Go ahead, get yourself settled in. If you're in bed already, get comfortable. Wrap yourself in your blankets. Get snuggled in with your pillow. Take a deep breath, relax. While I read to you these bedtime stories, I have four of them for you tonight, so I hope that you enjoy them. The first story that I have for you is called "Clever Manga, and it's from Slovakia. There was once a rich farmer who was as grasping and unscrupulous as he was rich. He was always driving a hard bargain, and always getting the better of his poor neighbors. One of these neighbors was a humble shepherd who, in return for service, was to receive from the farmer a heifer. When the time of payment came, the farmer refused to give the shepherd the heifer, and the shepherd was forced to lay the matter before the burgomaster. The burgomaster, who was a young man and as yet not very experienced, listened to both sides, and when he had deliberated, he said, Instead of deciding this case, I will put a riddle to you both, and the man who makes the best answer shall have the heifer. Are you agreed? The farmer and the shepherd accepted this proposal, and the burgomaster said, well then, here is my riddle. What is the swiftest thing in the world? What is the sweetest thing? What is the richest? Think of your answers and bring them to me at the same hour tomorrow. The farmer went home in a temper. What kind of burgomaster is this young fellow? he growled. If he had let me keep the heifer, I'd have sent him a bushel of pears, but now I'm in a fair way of losing the heifer, for I can't think of any answer to his foolish riddle. "'What is the matter, husband?' his wife asked. "'It's that new burgomaster. The old one would have given me the heifer without any argument, but this young man thinks to decide the case by asking us riddles.' When he told his wife what the riddle was, she cheered him greatly by telling him that she knew the answers at once. "'Why, husband,' said she, "'our grey mare must be the swiftest thing in the world. You know yourself nothing ever passes us on the road. As for the sweetest, did you ever taste honey any sweeter than ours?' And I'm sure there's nothing richer than our chest of golden ducats that we've been laying by these forty years. The farmer was delighted. Oh, you're right, wife, you're right. That heifer remains ours. The shepherd, when he got home, was downcast and sad. He had a daughter, a clever girl named Munga, who had met him at the door of his cottage and asked, What is it, father? What did the burgomaster say? The shepherd sighed. I'm afraid I've lost the heifer. The burgomaster said as a riddle, and I know I shall never guess it. Perhaps I can help you, Manga said. What is it? The shepherd gave her the riddle, and the next day, as he was setting out for the burgomaster's, Manga told him what answers to make. When he reached the burgomaster's house, the farmer was already there, rubbing his hands and beaming with self-importance. The burgomaster again propounded the riddle, and then asked the farmer's answers. The farmer cleared his throat, and with a pompous air began, The swiftest thing in the world, why, my dear sir, that's my grey mare, of course, for no other horse ever passes us on the road. The sweetest... Honey from my beehives, to be sure. The richest, what can be richer than my chest of golden two cuts? And the farmer squared his shoulders and smiled triumphantly. Hmm, said the young burgomaster dryly. Then he asked, what answers does the shepherd make? The swiftest thing in the world is thought for thought can run any distance in the twinkle of an eye. The sweetest thing of all is sleep, for when a man is tired and sad, what can be sweeter? The richest thing is the earth, for out of the earth come all the riches of the world. Good, the burgomaster cried, good, the heifer goes to the shepherd. Later, the burgomaster said to the shepherd, Tell me now, who gave you those answers? I'm sure that they never came out of your head. At first the shepherd tried not to tell, but when the burgomaster pressed him, he confessed that they came from his daughter, Manga. The burgomaster, who thought he would like to make another test of Manga's cleverness, sent for ten eggs. He gave them to the shepherd and said, Take these eggs to Manga and tell her to have them matched out by tomorrow, and to bring me the chicks." When the shepherd reached home and gave Monk the burgomaster's message, Monk laughed and said, take a handful of millet and go right back to the burgomaster. Say to him, my daughter sends you this millet. She says that if you plant it, grow it, and have it harvested by tomorrow, she'll bring you the ten chicks and you can feed them the ripe grain. When the burgomaster heard this, he laughed heartily. "'Oh, that's a clever girl of yours,' he told the shepherd. "'If she's as comely as she is clever, I think I'd like to marry her. "'Tell her to come to see me, but she must come neither by day nor by night, "'neither riding nor walking, neither dressed nor undressed. "'When Manga received this message, she waited until the dawn next, "'when night was gone and day not yet arrived.' Then she wrapped herself in a fishnet, and throwing one leg over a goat's back and keeping one foot on the ground, she went to the burgomaster's house. Now, I ask you, did she go dressed? No, she wasn't dressed. A fishnet is certainly not clothing. Did she go undressed? Of course not. For wasn't she covered with a fishnet? Did she walk to the burgomaster's? No, she didn't walk. She went with one leg thrown over a goat. Then didn't she ride? Of course she didn't, for she wasn't walking with the one foot. When she reached the burgomaster's house, she called out, Here I am, burgomaster, and then come neither by day nor by night, neither riding nor walking, neither dressed nor undressed. The young burgomaster was so delighted with Monga's cleverness and so pleased with her comely looks, that he proposed to her at once, and in a short time married her. But understand, my dear Manga, he said, you are not to use that cleverness of yours at my expense. I won't have you interfering in any of my cases. In fact, if ever you give advice to anyone who comes to me for judgment, I'll turn you out of my house at once and send you home to your father. All went well for a time, Manka busied herself in her housekeeping, and was careful not to interfere in any of the burgomaster's cases. Then one day, two farmers came to the burkemaster to have a dispute settled. One of the farmers owned a mare that had foaled in the marketplace. The colt had run under the wagon of the other farmer, and thereupon, the owner of the wagon, claimed the colt as his property. The burgomaster, who was thinking of something else while the case was being presented, said carelessly, The man who found the colt under his wagon is, of course, the owner of the colt. As the owner of the mare was leaving the burgomaster's house, he met Manga and stopped her about the case. Manga was ashamed of her husband for making so foolish a decision, and she said to the farmer, Come back this afternoon with a fishing net and stretch it across the dusty road. When the master sees you, he will come out and ask you what you are doing. Say to him that you're catching fish. When he asks you how can you, you can expect to catch fish in a dusty road, tell him it's just as easy for you to catch fish in a dusty road as it is for a wagon to fall. Then he'll see the injustice of his decision and have the cold return to you. But remember one thing. You mustn't let him find out that it was I who told you to do this. That afternoon, when the burkemaster chanced to look out the window, he saw a man stretching a fishnet across the dusty road. He went out to him and asked, What are you doing? Fishing was the reply. Fishing in a dusty road. Are you daft?" Well, the man said, it's just as easy for me to catch a fish in a dusty road as it is for a wagon to fall. The burgomaster recognized the man as the owner of the mare, and he had to confess that what he said was true. Of course, the colt belongs to your mare and must be returned to you. But tell me, he said, who put you up to this? You certainly didn't think of it yourself. The farmer tried not to tell, but the burgomaster questioned him until he found out that Manka was at the bottom of it. This made him very angry. He went into the house and called his wife. Manka, he said, did you forget what I told you would happen if you went interfering in any of my cases? Home you go this very day. I don't care to hear any excuses. The matter is settled. You may take with you the one thing you like best in my house, for I won't have people saying that I treated you shabbily. Monk made no outcry. Very well, my dear husband. I shall do as you say. I shall go home to my father's cottage and take with me the one thing I like best in your house. But don't make me go until after supper. We have been very happy together, and I should like to eat one last meal with you. Let us have no more words, but be kind to each other, as we've always been, and then part as friends. The burgomaster agreed to this, and Monk prepared a fine supper of all the dishes, of which her husband was particularly fond. The burgomaster opened his choiciest wine, and pledged Monk's health. Then he said to, and the supper was so good that he ate, and ate, and ate, and the more he ate the more he drank, until at last he grew drowsy and fell sound asleep in his chair. Then, without awakening him, Manga had carried him out to the wagon that was waiting to take her home to her father. The next morning, when the burgomaster opened his eyes, he found himself lying in the shepherd's cottage. "'What does this mean?' he roared out. "'Nothing, dear husband, nothing,' Manga said." You know, you told me I might take with me the one thing I liked best in your house, so of course I took you. That's all. For a moment, the burgomaster rubbed his eyes in amazement. Then he laughed loudly and heartily to think how Manga had outwitted him. Manga, he said, you're too clever for me. Come on, my dear, let's go home. So they climbed back into the wagon and drove home. The burgomaster never again scolded his wife, but thereafter, whenever a very difficult case came up, he always said, I think we had better consult my wife. You know, she is a very clever woman. The next story is called Intelligence and Luck and is also from Slovakia. Once upon a time, luck met intelligence on a garden seat. Make room for me, said Luck. Intelligence was then as yet inexperienced, and didn't know who ought to make room for whom. He said, Why should I make room for you? You're no better than I am. He's the better man, answered Luck, who performs most. See you there, young peasant's son, who's plowing in the field. Enter into him. And if he gets on better through you than through me, I'll always submissively make way for you, whensoever and wheresoever we meet. Intelligence agreed, and entered at once into the plowboy's head. As soon as the plowboy felt that he had intelligence in his head, he began to think, Why must I follow the plow to the day of my death? I can go somewhere else and make my fortune more easily. He left off plowing, put up the plow in trouble. Daddy, says he, I don't like this peasant's life. I'd rather learn to be a gardener. His father said, What ails you, Vanek? Have you lost your wits? However, he bethought himself and said, Well, if you will learn and God be with you, your brother will be heir to the cottage after me. Banno lost the cottage, but he didn’t care for that, but went and put himself apprentice to the king's gardener. For every little that the gardener showed him, Pannock comprehended ever so much more. Ere long he didn’t even obey the gardener's orders as to how he ought to do anything, but did everything to his own way. At first, the gardener was angry, but, seeing everything thus getting on better, he was content. I see that you've more intelligence than I, said he, and henceforth led Vanik garden as he thought fit. In no long space of time, Vanik made the garden so beautiful that the king took great delight in it, and frequently walked in it with the queen and with his only daughter. The princess was a very beautiful damsel, but ever since she was twelve years old, she had ceased speaking. And no one ever heard a single word from her. The king was much grieved and caused proclamation to be made that whoever should bring it to pass that she should speak again should be her husband. Many young kings. whether I may succeed in bringing her to answer when I ask her a question. He at once caused himself to be announced at the palace, and the king and his counselors conducted him into the room where the princess was. The king's daughter had a pretty little dog and was very fond of him because he was so clever. Understanding everything that she wanted, when Panic went into the room with the king, And his counselors, he made as if he didn't even see the princess, but turned to the dog and said, I have heard, doggy, that you are very clever, and I come to you for advice. We are three companions in travel, a sculptor. He then called me to come and keep watch. I, too, asked him what the meaning of all this was. As you see, said the tailor, the sculptor found some time hanging heavy on his hands and carved a damsel out of the log, and I, for the same reason, clothed her. And if you find time hanging on your hands, you can teach her to speak. And by morning, I had actually taught her to speak. But, in the morning, when my companions woke up, each wanted to possess the damsel. The sculptor said, I made her, the tailor, I clothed her, I too maintained my right. Tell me therefore, doggie, to which of us the damsel belongs. The dog said nothing, but instead of the dog, the princess replied, To whom can she belong but to yourself? What's the good of the sculptor's damsel without life? What's the good of the tailor's dressing without speech? You gave her the best gift, life and speech. And therefore, she by right belongs to you. You have passed your own sentence, said Vanek. I have given you speech again, and a new life, and you therefore by right belong to me. Then said one of the king's counselors, His royal grace will give you a plenteous reward for succeeding in unloosing his daughter's tongue, but you cannot have her to wife as you are not of mean lineage. The king said, You are of mean lineage. I will give you a plenteous reward instead of our daughter. But Vanek wouldn't hear of any other reward and said, The king promised without any exception, whoever caused his daughter to speak again should be her husband. The king's word is a law, and if the king wants others to observe his laws, he must first keep them himself. Therefore the king must give me his daughter. Seize and find him, shouted the counselor. Whoever says the king must do anything offers an insult to his majesty and is worthy of death. May it please your majesty to order this malefactor to be executed with the sword. The king said, Let him be executed. Panic was immediately bound and led to execution. When they came to the place of execution, luck was there waiting for him and said secretly to intelligence. See how this man has got on through you, that he has to lose his head. Make way and let me take your place. As soon as luck entered Vannic, the executioner's sword broke against the scaffold, just as if someone had snapped it. And before they brought him another, up rode a trumpeter on horseback from the city, galloping as swift as a bird, trumpeted merrily, and waved a white flag, and after him came the royal carriage for Vanek. This is what had happened, the princess had told her father at home, that Vanek had but spoken the truth. The king's word ought not to be broken. If Vanek were of mean lineage, the king could easily make him a prince. The king said, You're right, let him be a prince. The royal carriage was immediately sent for Vanik, and the counselor, who had irritated the king against him, was executed in his stead. Afterward, when Vanek and the princess were going together in a carriage from the wedding, Intelligence happened to be somewhere on the road, and seeing that it couldn't help meeting luck, bent his head, slipped on one side, just as if cold water had been thrown upon him. And from that time forth, it is said that intelligence has always given a wide berth to luck whenever he has had to meet him. The last story for tonight is called A Stroke of Luck and it comes from Hungary. He went plowing. He was a poor man. The plow cut a furrow and turned up a lot of money. When he set eyes on it, he began to speculate about what to say to his wife. He feared that she might plug it out to the neighbors, and they would serve a summons to appear before the magistrate. So he went and bought a hare and a fish, she brought him his midday meal. He said to her after he had dined, let's fry a fish. She said, what do you think? How could we catch a fish here in the field? Come on, woman. I've just seen a couple of them when I was plowing around the blackthorn shrub. He led her to the blackthorn shrub, says the woman. Look, old man, there's a fish. Haven't I told you so? And he flung the ox goad at the shrub so that the fish turned out at once. Then he said, Let's catch a hare. Don't be kidding me, you haven't got a gun. Never mind, I'll knock it off with the ox goad. They were going along when she cried out, Look, there's a hare on the tree yonder there. The man flung his goad at the tree and the hare fell down. They were working till the day drew to a close, and in the evening they made their way home. When they went past the church, they heard an ass praying. The man said to the woman, You know what the ass is praying? He is saying, The priest says in his sermon that soon a comet will appear, and that will be the end of the world. They went on. When they passed the city hall, the ass uttered another loud pray. The man said, the ass says that the magistrate and the town clerk had just been caught embezzling public funds. As time wore on, they were making good use of their money. The neighbors kept asking them, where did that lot of money come from? Then she said to one of the neighbor women, I wouldn't mind telling you, but you mustn't pass it on to anyone. And she told her that he had found the money. Their neighbor reported it to the magistrate, and they were summoned to appear before him. And when he was questioned about the money, the man denied it. By no means did they find any money. Not a penny had been found by them. The magistrate then said, "'Your wife will tell me what's the use asking her. "'She is just a silly woman,' he said." The woman flew into a temper and began to shout at him. Don't you dare say that again. Didn't we find the money when we caught the fish under the blackthorn bush? Now, your honor may hear for yourself. Catching a fish in a bush, what will she say next? Can't you remember how you shot down a hare from the tree with the ox goat? Well, haven't I told you, your honor? It's no use asking that fool of a woman. A fool you are yourself. Have you forgotten that on our way home, we heard an ass spraying as we passed the church, and you said that the priest was preaching that a comet would appear, and it would be the end of the world. Now, wasn't I right, Your Honor? It would be better to leave her alone, or she might give offense with her silly talk, The woman then flew into a rage and said, Don't you remember that when we were passing the city hall and the ass uttered a loud bray, you were telling me that the magistrate and the town clerk have just been caught out? The magistrate then jumped to his feet and said to his man, Take her home, my good man. She seems to have lost her wits. I hope that you've enjoyed these short tales this evening and I hope that by now you are fast asleep or at the very least very comfortable in your bed. You're always welcome to request that I read anything really, I have quite a large collection of books here, and with everything going on in the world, our library actually was allowing people to take home quite a few books, and we could take home as many as 50 books. So. My spouse and I brought home armfuls of books, and I'm very excited to get to read some of those to you on this podcast. I picked up some classics, of course, but I also picked up some newer ones, and I have some Agatha Christie that I think you might enjoy, and then I have some Neil Gaiman that I think you might enjoy since he has recently announced that he's allowing people to read his books out loud and record them for others during this time, since we're all trying to stay healthy and stay safe at home. So, I hope to be able to read some of those to you as well. If you'd like to request a story or a book for me to read, you can always contact me on Twitter, or you can contact me using anchor.fm, which is where I record this podcast. I hope that you have a great evening, and a good day, and a good week. For tonight, I would like to wish you good night, good night, and sweet dreams.